please turn in the Bible to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to continue in verse 9 today. Praise the Lord. Yes, we finished verses 4 through 8. And uh, we're getting to the last two verses of this section. Remember again that um, the Apostle John has been talking about not just ordinary sins. Remember, he's been talking. And, and this is why it is so important that we understand he's not talking about ordinary sins. He's talking about the sin of rebellion. He's talking about the sin that the devil committed. Amen. And that's why all of these verses, when read in that light, make sense. Otherwise, they're, they, you know, you end up going home all nervous. And the first time you commit a sin, you're thinking, that's it. I'm of the devil. I'm going to hell. And it's not true. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and, and again, it, it totally contradicts 1 John 1, nine, which says if we confess our sin, and it doesn't say how many times. Amen. It doesn't say if you confess your sin up to seven times, on the eighth, you're going to hell. You know, <laughs> okay. Remember Peter, he said, how many times do I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven in a day. Yeah, you all thought for a lifetime, didn't you? You've been keeping track. You had to now tear that and throw it in the bin. That's it. There, that one goes down the drain. <laughs> Amen. You know, that's why Pete thought it was a big thing to forgive somebody for the same thing seven times in one day. And Jesus says, no, no, no. 490. That's a lot. Amen. I don't think we can commit that many. We can't do the same thing 490 times in one day. I think mean, that's just, you know. In other words, that's how God forgives us. Amen? Hallelujah. And so, oh, anyway. So, <laughs> a little carried away on that one. Getting back to this. So, we, we, we found again that regardless of the sin that you commit. Remember, if it's not 1 John 1, 9, it's 1 John 3, 5. Remember, even those people that commit this horrendous sin will still be forgiven. For this cause, or you know, for this reason, the Son of Man came. That he, that he would uh, not just take away our sin, that's 1 John 1, 9, but that he would destroy the works of the devil as well, which is where all this comes from. Amen? And so that's why Jesus didn't just come to, uh, you know, forgive us. He came to take away the problem. And that's why it's so sad when people don't receive him as Lord. Because when they do receive Him as Lord, they receive the solution to all of their problems. Amen. Now remember again, it, re- it requires faith in order for the solution to, take, uh, to, to work in your life. Are you all here? That's why Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't say, all things are possible because I'm around. If that was the case, all of us Christians would, you know, as soon as we became Christians, that's the end of it. God just takes over and... Christians today are still under the impression that that's what would happen in our, or should happen in our lives. They just think, you know, if it's God's will, it'll happen. Yeah, right. Tell that to Jesus on the boat going to the other side. Amen. And we know that, you know, because the disciples came and said, we're going to drown. Don't you care? Remember that? Now, can we all agree that Jesus was in the very center of God's will? Uh, okay. We all need to agree on that one. Okay, everybody nod like you think. Okay, that is the right answer. <laughs> okay, he was in the very center of God's will, which is why he was able to stand up and say, peace, be still. Listen to me. If God brought the storm, I don't care how much Jesus said, peace, be still, the thing would keep going. Amen. So you know that he, when he got up and said, peace, be still, you know that then God, because remember they said, 
you, we know that you can do these things because God is with you. And he was with him on that boat, which means a storm was against him and against God. Amen. So don't ever think just because you became a Christian, everything's going to work out. You need faith to appropriate the promises to get him working in your life. Amen. And that's why Jesus said, all things are possible to those that believe. Amen. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. And it goes on to say all the things. Amen. See, this is the reason why it is so important that you, you know, that we develop faith in our life. Are you all here? It's not just a, a Bible lesson you need to come to. It's not just, well, I've learned something new. That's wonderful and that's great. And I pray that I'm always giving you something new. But the thing is that that needs to go in to your heart. It needs to begin to generate faith. So that the next time a storm, anything comes against you, you can stand up and speak to those mountains and they will move. Amen? And so we need to understand Jesus came so that we could walk in that power. And that's what this is all about. This has been incredible. This study has brought us to the the understanding that Jesus not only came and forgave us of all of our sins, he also forgave the most horrendous sinner, no matter how much they've been rebelling against God, of their sin as well. Then he elevated all of us to a position higher than what we were before. Amen. We became the children of God. Now that's important because we're going to move on to verse 9 with that understanding. That we became God's kids. Hallelujah. And we, we got repositioned from being, having dominion over this earth to being seated at the right hand of God. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> okay. The reason we needed that was because of all the principalities and powers and rulers that are above this earth in the atmosphere. So do you understand that we had dominion here and then something because of, because of the fall of man, found its place over us. So we had to now be taken beyond that. Amen. That's why I said, you need this revelation so that when you're praying and when you're doing anything, you need to understand that you're not some little person down here on this earth, some little pawn that God is just moving on the board and decides we're knocking him off today. He's coming home. This doesn't work that way. It said God working with us. He's not working for us. We aren't working for Him. He's working with us. Do you know why? Because we are at His right hand. We are His kids. And Daddy wants to work with His kids. Amen. How many times do you know kids say, Mom, do this. Hey, okay, for a while, but then you need to learn how to do it yourself. And then after a while, you, you know, kids go, well, I don't, I don't need you, mom. I, I got this on my own. It's, it's check with mom. Cause you, just cause you can do it, sometimes you shouldn't. Do you see where I went with all that? Okay. That's why I said it's not us working for God. Neither is it God working for us. It's us working together. Amen. Amen. Now let's move on because again, this whole idea of us being in God, us being his children, us being in this new position. The apostle John is now to go, going to go on to say in verse 9, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9, Whoso, whoever or whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Now remember again, this isn't normal sin. This is the sin of rebellion, like the, de- like the devil committed, okay? Now, do you understand now why this makes sense? Do you understand this is not talking about you just making a mistake? 
Can I get an amen? I need an amen on this one. Okay, because if you don't acknowledge this, then nothing is going to make sense. You need to know this is not you making a mistake. All right. He says, so whoever is born of God, so he's saying, listen, he's about to do something interesting in the next verse. He's going to talk about two families. He's going to talk about God's family, and he's going to talk about the devil's family. He's not going to talk about God's family, those that are spiritual and those that are carnal. Get it? That's why we know all of this has to do with two different families. Not the same family, and a few are rebelling. (laughs) Okay? All right. So, he says again, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him or her. And they cannot sin because they are born of God. See, you can't commit this sin of rebellion against God and be in the the family of God. Are you all with me? Because you know better. No matter how many mistakes, I put that in quotes, (laughs) that you make out there. You know, how many people that you sass out and, and do whatever things that are bad. Okay? This is still not you rebelling against God. Now, he might ask you to forgive someone. You're going, I don't want to. That's still not rebelling against God. That's just you having a problem with that person because you don't want to forgive them. Are you you're getting this? Okay. So you just need to, get, you need to get an understanding here. So once again, I've said here, if this was talking about normal sins, he would not have said again in First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins and included himself. Remember, he said, if we confess our sins. All right, in the forgiveness and cleansing that follows our confession or acknowledgement of sins before God. Therefore, when he says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, he's talking again about the sin of rebellion against God and why he says it is not something that a Christian by nature would ever dream of committing. Okay, in fact, in his commentary with reference to God's seed remaining in us, Colin G. Cruz explains that within 1 John, believers are said to have remaining in them be indwelt by, firstly, the gospel message they heard from the beginning. That's in 1 John 2.24. Secondly, the anointing, that's the Holy Spirit, in 1 John 2.27. And finally, God himself, and we're going to see that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. Let's have a quick look at that. That's going to come up at the end of this chapter, where the Apostle John will say, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. That's, and God in him. So not only do we abide in God, but God also abides in us. Remember, we, we, he alluded to this before. And I said to you before, if you read his gospel, you understand exactly this is what he meant. Amen? And now he brings it out. Or he will be bringing it out at the end. And he sa- he's going to say, and by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit who he has given us. We will look at this in great detail when we get to it. Okay, but not here. (laughs) All right, so further to this, John MacArthur says that the word remains, okay, the word remains, okay, conveys the idea of the permanence of the new birth, which cannot be reversed. I really like that. The permanence of the new birth, which cannot be reversed. What we're bringing out now is this. This is something that is so powerful. Uh, you know, he's saying it just cannot be. There might be exceptions, okay? But on the whole, it's almost an impossibility. It's like you're falling up. Have you ever, okay. <laughs> okay. Usually we fall. Oh, yeah, never mind. Anyway, okay. <laughs> All right. That, that's what I mean. That's how impossible it is. Okay. All right. <clears throat> anyway, for those who are truly born again, 
are permanently transformed into a new creation. And that's why the Apostle Paul says again in 2 Corinthians 5.17, can I just read this to you? That's why he says if anyone is in Christ, he or she, this is anyone. This is not now if all the good ones okay, are in Christ, all of these things will happen. All the bad ones, we're not sure. Amen. So can I get you all to include yourself in this? Please. All right. Okay. So he says, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. This is the permanence. This is what has happened. You have come in to God, everything on the inside. And family, we need a revelation of this. I have preached this so many times. I'm praying one day it'll hit you. Because, because if you get a revelation of this, not just in your head, but in your heart, if you suddenly realize that you are something brand new, the moment you receive Jesus Christ, all of your past got wiped out. Everything that you look back on and blame yourself, this is how the devil works, blame yourself for the way things are today. Did you just get what I said? We'll all get wiped out. Because that person doesn't exist anymore. So when the devil comes and says, now, you know, as a child, you go, shut up. He goes, what? <laughs> Pastor said for me to tell you to shut up. <laughs> Why? <laughs> okay. Because that person died. They, all things have passed away. They're not getting regenerated and brought up again. They have passed away. In fact, every time you confess your sin, it passed away. You know when somebody says, well, it's too late. He passed away. He's not going to get up. They're not going to bring dinner to him. That's a dead person. Why do you bring him back to life? Why do you allow the devil to bring him or her back to life? Don't. Whenever he says, remember, just say they passed away. It's very sad. That was, we should do a little funeral service, you know? Get a little coffin and everything and just say, oh, well, there goes my old life. It died. Now I'm alive in Christ. Hey, we do that for everything else. We make a big deal over everything. That's what baptism, they try to do that with baptism. You know, with the water and everything. You know, it's not the water that gets you saved. You all know that, right? It wets you to shock you to let you know something happened. Remember this. Amen. Okay. Some people don't need it. Some people are good with that. They just, they just give their life to God and they're good to keep going. Other people, I tell you, they just need to be dunked and left under there for a little while. <laughs> you <know>? Amen. <laughs> Until they come out. They go, right? Do you get it now? Yeah, I got it. I got it. We can keep going if you want. No, no, no. We're good. Amen. I'm making a little fun out of this, but you understand that that's why we have a marriage ceremony. Do you know that the moment you get married isn't at the altar? Oh, ho, 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 ho. No, no, no. The moment you got married was the moment that you pledged your love for one another. All the rest of it is pomp and show. All the rest of it is, oh, by the way, we did this. It's not the minister standing there going, well, I'm the one that gets to say whether you're married or not. Sorry, I spat on my notes. No. Hey, man, you need to feel important. Go do something else. That's not the whole... Your job is to let everybody else know this has taken place. Don't mess with it. That's the place the minister comes in. 
He has a big stick. Sometimes mother-in-laws get in the way, you know. They're too good for my whatever. It just down, sit, sit. Okay, anybody else have a proper objection? No, <laughs> okay, no. That's why I don't ask. <laughs> okay. Slide right through that one. <clears throat> uh, why stir up trouble? Anyway. <laughs> no, no, there's another reason for asking. Anyway, back to this. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? In case all the Jews thought that being a Jew was enough, <clears throat> or that being a born-again Jew was superior... The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, that's Jews, nor uncircumcision, that's Gentiles, avails anything. You all understand? Both of them mean nothing to God. I'm a Jew that got born again. No, you're just a person that got born again. doesn't matter where you came from. That you got born again is what's important. Because he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Hallelujah. Amen? All right. Because this is a miraculous, supernatural act of God. Something that was necessary for everyone. And that's why, you know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you know, he was, it says that he was a man of the Pharisees and a ruler of the Jews. So a person, and you know, we know that Nicodemus is a good person. This was a good Pharisee. He, this is the one person that redeems the Pharisees. I think it's really in, interesting that the Apostle John actually included him in, because it's the Apostle John that says, you know, <laughs> he always says, the Jews. Because the Jews were such a pain in his side. And every time something happened, the Jews said this. See, the other ones kind of go, well, the religious leaders said that. The rest of the Jews are kind of okay. But with John, I mean, tell you, just maybe they try to kill him too many times or something. You know, to him, it's like, oh, you're a Jew, you know, (laughs) another one. Remember, he was a Jew too. So obviously, anyway. Anyway, so I think it's really interesting, (laughs) okay, and maybe, uh, uh, you know, why he actually put this in where he says to all the Jews, listen, you can be a ruler of the Pharisees. You can be, you know, just everything that, you know, you think will get you to heaven. But it won't. Because he says, he, he records Jesus saying in John chapter 3 and verse 3, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did you get that? He says, he says to this person that thinks that they're going to get into heaven based on their good works, based on their genealogy. They're a Jew. You know, we are children of Abraham. It was a famous thing the Jews always said. In fact, that was what they would always come against Jesus with. He would say something, go, well, we're the seed of Abraham. Blah, 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 we're getting in regardless. And he said, you're all going to hell. <laughs> Thinking like this. Amen. And that's why he says to this Jew, he says, and it's really interesting when he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, which means you can't even perceive. There's no prayer life there. Amen. But then in verse 5, he says something else. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Wow. So not only can't you see it and get your prayers answered, but you can't even get in when you drop dead. Are you all here? And this is to a person that was convinced they were going to heaven. 
And he said, no, this gets you in. Amen? This is the new birth we're talking about. This is, the, this is how powerful it is. And this is the miracle of the new birth. And it comes with a purpose. Oh, it's not, not a purpose, but it comes with purpose. Let me rephrase that. See, you were born again, not just so you can sit down and watch Toy Voy now, comfortably. And God blesses you while you're watching Toy Voy. Okay, listen. Second, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For all those that were, sorry about this, I'm messing up your TV watching. Anyway, Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship. This is what happened when you got born again. Are you all listening? Okay. We are now his workmanship. Because we are a new creation, that new creation had nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with him. And what he did was this. He recreated us. Okay. He says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Do you see this? Notice where we're created. Not outside of him, but in him. That's why everything is about in him. Are you getting this now? Continuing. It says, for average works. For some work, some don't, some get rained out. No, (laughs) okay? Notice it says, for good works. Do you know that you have been redesigned and recreated to do some extraordinary things? Please get this. You might say, well, does that mean I got to give up being a mummy? Don't, 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 do Listen, I'm talking about it being an exceptional mummy. I'm talking about you're, you're at the sink and you're washing dishes and you get a word of knowledge. The kid is about to do something not good. And he looked at you and thought, she's watching dishes, I'm safe. And then suddenly you turn up at the door. What? How did you know? Wouldn't you, like to, <laughs> wouldn't you like to be that way before they get in trouble? You're knocking at the door and she goes, and their little thing will be, how does she know? I don't know. Every time we think about doing something bad, she knows. That's what we're talking about. Amen. Now I could apply that to work and everything else. You, you apply it across the board, okay? But I'm taking something that some people think, well, I don't need any of that stuff for this. Dear God, you need it for everywhere you go. Y'all don't know what's going on behind your back. <laughs> Amen. And, and see, this is a good work. And besides that, God will teach you how to be more efficient at what you're doing. Amen. And do you know something? You weren't just designed to wash dishes. Uh, men, we can wash dishes too. You don't need laying on of hands for that one. Amen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're not talking about anything special. But I tell you something, inside of each one of you is something special. And when God starts to teach you how to more efficiently work, work, you know, within the time restraints that you have, you'll find that you have a little bit more time now to spend on other things. And the Lord will begin to reveal to you what those things are. You can be at home. Today on the internet, you can be at home and you can make a mint. Just being at home, doing something little. Put it on the web. Everybody wants to buy it because it's anointed. Amen? And I wish I had time to talk to you about that. See, that's the difference between what other people do and what you do. Don't ever go to an, an, an accountant and ask him if it's going to succeed. Those things aren't saved. 
They have no idea. <laughs> okay? They'll say, well, sister, the market is really saturated in that area. And whatever you do, there's better out there. Don't listen. You go. If God tells you to do something, you do it. And then you pray over it. And say, God, this is different because it's anointed. You know, you might be making little dollies. And just say, you know, everybody that puts their hand on this, they're going to go, whoo, <laughs> what just happened? I got healed or something? You know, well, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Whatever you believe. Amen. You are God's child. Wherever you are. So whatever you do is anointed. Whatever you do has his stamp on it. Whatever you do has his presence around it. Whatever you do will stand out. You know what they say about, I don't know why I'm going down this road. But anyway, do you know what they say? You know what is the most successful thing? The best advertising is when people recommend something. When somebody says, I tried that. That actually is really good. Everybody goes, oh, I got to go check that out. doesn't matter they had six, somebody else had 600 posters out there, TV time and everything else. But somebody says to you that you trust, this is really good. They'll go buy it and then they'll go, wow, this is good. And somebody else will tell somebody else and it'll just spread like wildfire. And the accountant then said, well, brother, the market is quite saturated. Forget about it. They'll want to now be your accountant. Just say, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting paid anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hello. Anyway, back to this. I, I pray that you're getting something out of this. I want to show you how all this applies to your life. Amen? Amen. So let's get back to this. He says again, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, that's your destiny. Do you know why he prepared this beforehand? In the hopes that you would get saved. People read this and think the salvation is beforehand. No, no, no. The works were planned beforehand. In other words, as soon as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, you had purpose. Amen. It wasn't a predetermination of who was getting saved and not. So some people will preach this and say, well, see, some people will get saved. Some people won't get saved. That's not the point. Jesus died for the whole world and he wants the whole world to get saved. And he has a plan for every single one on this planet. Amen. And the way to get in is to receive him as Lord. He doesn't come to boss you around. He comes to give you purpose and to give you power so you can, so you can bring about that purpose in your life. Amen. Amen. So, with all this working in us and for us, we can understand why the Apostle John would say that we just cannot commit the sin of rebellion against God. Do you get it now? Can you see how all of this is working? Why would you ever do that? Amen. And why I. Howard Marshall says in his commentary, still following the same pattern of thought in the previous verses, John draws the conclusion that those who are on the same side as the Son of God the great opponent of the devil cannot follow the devil's way and sin. Amen. This is not just me telling you this stuff. Amen. This, I, I want to back it up with other things as well. That's why the Apostle John again ends the verse by saying there, they cannot sin in this way because they are born of God. In his commentary, Simon J. Kistemarker says that the phrase born of God signifies that a person has been born spiritually in the past and continues in the present 
as God's child. We need to remember that. See, you weren't just God's child the moment you were born again and then suddenly became something else later on. Kind of slipped out the door or something. You know what I'm trying to say? From the moment that you got saved, you were his child. Are you all with me? And he says, that is, he finds his or her origin, origin and existence in God. Now, this is really important. That's why I said to you, your past begins when you got saved. Your origin now no longer is the day you were born. Your origin is now the day you were born again. You're with me. So that the devil should never be able to drag, drag up any of that stuff. Because your origin isn't there anymore. Also, because your origin is in God now, don't let the devil sell you, well, your mother had it, your grandmother had it, now you're going to have it. Whatever that it is. Okay? Hey, that broke too. The moment you got saved, now your origin is in God. Now your parent is God. Now if you want any attributes, look to God. I don't see God going, well, I got this problem, you know. It's been there for years. <laughs> okay? <That's, laughs> he is life. Eternal life. And you can break whatever thing is in your life by saying, you know what? I will have nothing to do with that past ever again and any of its consequences. I am now a part of God's family. God is my father. God has no grandchildren. Amen? Which means you are his child just as much as your kids are going to be his children as well. Amen. This is, this is key because, because he is their parent just like he is your parent. They can expect the same thing from him that you expect from him. This isn't two generations down. This is still the same one generation up. You are still directly linked to God. Amen? All right. <clears throat> So I said again, that is, he finds or she finds his or her origin and existence in God. Thus, the born-again believer knows that God is his or her father. Which takes us back again to 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God. Remember that? Amen. Continuing on to verse 10. Hallelujah. The apostle, <laughs> the apostle John now goes on to not only identify, we can finish this today, but also compare and con- contrast two separate and distinct families in the earth by saying there, and see, so this is why he brings this to a conclusion and lets us know this is who he's been talking about. He says, in this, verse 10, the children of God are manifest. Remember, we're talking about sin and no sin, okay? And the kind of sin, the rebellion against God kind of sin. He says, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Do you understand? He said, children of the devil, not children of God that had backslidden. Do you get this? He said, we've got two families I've been talking about. That's why you can't preach this to Christians. And say, this is you when you sin. You're of the devil. You can't say that. Because the apostle John is saying, no, no, no. I'm talking about two families. I'm talking about God's family and the devil's family. And he goes on to say, whosoever does not, uh, does not righteousness is not of God. Remember again this righteousness. This kind of righteousness is we're talking about the rebellion of Satan and his sin again. All right? And he says, neither they that loves not their brother or sister. Now, this is interesting. This is a leading into the next whole section. Because he's about to now go and show us how these people behave. Now, some of you are going to think, oh, I kind of behave like that too. Well, stop behaving that way then. All right? <laughs> okay? Let's get over it, man. You don't need six hours of counseling. Just get over it. 
Just go, I will not do that again. See, now that was easy, wasn't it? I don't know why people have to... Anyway, never mind. <clears throat> Maybe it's just me, you know? Okay. All right. <laughs> so now we understand that the Apostle John has been talking about two different families. Amen? And those who are in God's family, those who are, and those who are in rebellion against God, and that's why this verse now makes perfect sense and all the verses prior to it. Amen? To give us a little more insight into how this sin of rebellion manifests itself, Thomas F. Johnson writes, the elder knows that the false teachers who have split the community, this is what we're going to be looking at in the next couple of verses, okay? By their denial that Christ is truly human, the human Jesus, do not meet the test of love. This is one of the things that they did. They have abandoned their brothers and sisters, split the community, caused economic hardship. We're going to be talking about that, that you see a brother in need and you don't help. Okay, all right. Reject the elder's authority. In other words, well, the Apostle John doesn't know what he's talking about. We know the truth. He doesn't. Hello? Okay? And are actively trying to win over their heretical party, the remaining Christians. So they're always looking to... That's why I said get away from these people. They're always looking to woo you and bring you in slowly with all kinds of promises. Don't try to get those people saved. I mean, you know, if you can, hallelujah, but just watch out. You're playing with a shark now. Okay? You stick your hand out, it'll bite it off. Amen. All right. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? Let me just say this. I, I know that we are to minister the gospel to everyone. But can I say this to you? And please hear me. Be led by the Spirit. Don't be led by guilt. Did you hear what I just said? If you're led by the Spirit, He will give you the words to speak and He will lead you to people that you can minister to. If you are led by guilt, then you'll be looking for anybody on the street and you might be surprised at how they take you down instead of you bringing them up. Amen? All right, now I can move on. <clears throat> I've said regarding these people that are trying to always draw uh, Christians away, all this is still true today. Even though it may dress and present itself differently, in the end, it is all still rebellion against God. And what the Apostle John, again, means when he says in 1 John 3.10, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever does not righteousness is not of God. Neither they that loves not their brother or sister. And this phrase now will take us into the next section, which then the Apostle John says, For this is, verse 11, the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Again, he's not talking to Christians. Listen, because everybody right now is thinking, oh, I, 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 you know, I have a problem with... No, 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 stop, stop. We are continuing on from where we left off. That's why you can't, you can't teach this and preach this in bits. Amen? Unless you know where all the bits fit. Okay? He's saying, listen, and, and I'll expand on this next week. Okay? He's saying... When he says we should love one another, he's saying, listen, man, those people don't. And that's how they show us that they're not a part of our family. Because we really should love one another. And if they're saying something else, and if they're drawing you away, and they're not loving the brethren, understand something, that's not, they're not a part of this family. Amen? Amen. All right, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all the wisdom, the revelation, the insight that we're receiving. 
And I just thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit in our lives that teaches us how to use this, how to walk in.